Hi there, and welcome to Record Lovers, a podcast where every week a cute couple, that's us, talk to the people, that's you, about albums we recommended each other to check out. I'm Daniel at Dan Montadona on Twitter, say hi, and I'm here with my co-host, she's my Winona, it's Angie Shanko. <laughs> oh, you couldn't wait to say that. <laughs> Genuinely couldn't wait to say that. Hey everyone, I'm Angie, and my Twitter handle is Angie Shanko. Yeah, getting our uh, SEO in right at the start. Yeah, why not? Why not? So, how are you feeling this evening? I'm feeling good. We got our red wine here, mm-hmm. feeling great, ready to get into these albums because we've been dying to talk about these all week. So, yeah. looking forward to it. 110%. Yeah. But I think first we should uh, tell people what are what have been our jams as of late oh yeah good point so my jam um or my jams as of late have been uh pretty much the janae album i'm a massive massive fan of janae aiko if you don't know you better get to know because she's amazing and uh she just dropped her uh, second album which is incredible it's such a vibe um i've been playing the whole album all the way through from start to finish and i just absolutely love it um, and I think the song I'm gonna pick from the album to play right here is Sativa, which is featuring Sway Lee. Like a freak, like a I love that song. How dope is that song? Yeah, Sway Lee, I, I kind of feel like he's got next. I don't know. I, I don't know. I've just got that vibe. He's got what? He's got next. What do you mean? Well, like Sway Lee, obviously one half of Ray Schrammerd, you know, popped up on a bunch of other people's songs. Like, he's usually the best part of Ray Schremer's songs. No, yeah. No offense to Slim Jimmy. It's so true, though. Co- Seriously. Co wrote, has a writer's credit on uh, Formation by Beyonce. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, I think he can't do any wrong at the moment. Everything no. he's jumping on is straight fire. And um, this song is just like everything I love about Janae and his kind of uh, the way he just kind of goes in there with the chorus. I love it. It's just a beautiful duet. And it's talking about a beautiful subject, so there we go. <laughs> Little spoiler alert, I'm pretty sure we're going to come back to Jeanette as the show goes on. Oh, definitely, definitely. But, but uh, real quick, like, um, her movie, what did you think? Uh, she made it. a short movie, guys. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really nice. I mean, there were it was a really good effort. I'm not going to say it was, like, amazing and... Um, you know, I thought it was impactful and it made sense to the album and, you know, the fact that it's a whole kind of trilogy of, of things with this album. It's the album, it's the short film, and it's also the poetry. Um, and, yeah, it's really, really exciting. I love a good concept album and she is definitely bringing that right now. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big Janae fan, so she can't do no wrong in my eyes. Um, apart from her getting that uh, big Sean tattoo, 
Big fat wrong, Janae. Big fat wrong. But it is okay because I love you so much. I'm just oh going to swing past it and pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, boy. I know. Oh, oh bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my jam, real quick, is... It's gonna be Missy Elliott. She's a bitch. Let's hear a little bit of that right now. Better you running out the dough. You gonna be a long lost soul. What you say? Slippy yo, you be ya ya ye. Put me on stage, watching niggas feel me. Put my shit on wax, watch it blaze like me. Go, you be ya yo, you be ya ya ye. Fifty five, sixty five, height. Seven five, eighty five, touch the mic. Ninety five, miss it wild for the night. One oh five, I'ma keep the crowd hype. Bitch, when they say my name, talk more junk, but won't look my way. She's a bitch. See, I got more cheese. Back on up while I roll up my sleeve. She's a Ah, yeah, she's a bitch. Classic. And just making... I was expecting that, taking it back to the old school. Yeah, so... um, Have you I... been playing that this week? Uh, As of late, you Look know... at this, we lived together and I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, a lot of my listening has kind of been um, a lot of, like, instrumental. Like, I've been listening to a lot of Drexia, but... Oh, cool. And, like, you know, little bits of stuff on NTS. But really, like, the main thing I've been listening to outside of that and our research for this episode has been... Missy Elliott's second album, The Real World, which mm. she released in 1999, 2000. There's a lot of Timbaland pretending he's Morpheus from The Matrix. <laughs> Missy, who obviously was like, oh, she's like the cutesy, kind of wacky kind of person in hip hop and R&B. No, she's like properly, like, I mean, you've heard She's a Bitch. And if you've not heard it before, it's like such a left turn for her at that time because it's the hardest song ever. Babe, we're we're like on the on the on the slide about to go into a Missy Elliott record oh, right now. Oh yeah, that's how much you're going into Missy Elliott. Oh right man, now. it's hard because we did <laughs> we did that sophomore episode, and I and thinking about it, the real world by Missy Elliott would have been a fun one. Mm. But no, like uh, I've I've been bumping that '99 Timberland Missy Genius nice. as of late. Can't go wrong. It's timeless, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Episode four, huh? Episode four. A new yeah, hope. Yeah. And um, do you want to tell everyone what we've decided to go with as our theme for our fourth episode? So if you've not um, realized what the topic of the episode is by um, you know <laughs> clicking and downloading it already, basically the idea behind this episode is Angie and I are going to talk about artists we used to love. And have ever since fallen out of love with. We're yeah. we're going to we've poured the red wine for a reason. We're going to be <laughs> like, why did you do this to why? me? So we've got Maybe why. yeah. <laughs> why? <laughs> so we're going to go back and forth with um, two particular artists, two particular albums, and and two very different artists actually. Hundred and ten percent. Yeah. Although, although odd connections in the yeah. sense of their yeah. their peak. Yeah. True. Yeah, so we're gonna um, we're gonna kick off with Dan. Actually, you're gonna tell us uh, what your album was that you decided to go with, and a little bit about the artist as well. Oh damn. Okay. Well, this is hard because I have to pronounce French for this uh, for this album title, and I'm sorry to any and all French speaking listeners because I don't know how to do it. But the album that we're gonna cover is Fallout Boys Fully Adieu. Fully Adieu. Did, did you did you do French in school? Uh, if you can call it that, it was more kind of like mucking around and 
not really doing French, but being in the class. Yeah, so we can't really go by that. Kids. <laughs> Don't do that, by the way. Kids, stay in school because you'll never know <laughs> when you need your co-host to save you on a podcast. Exactly, which I can't do, but yeah. Tell us about the album. <laughs> so, um, this is the... Um, one, two, three, four. It's the fourth album from Fall Out Boy, a popular pop-punk band who had their real commercial breakthrough with the album from under the cork tree that was their first major label album they kind of rode off the back of you know a big hit called sugar we're going down but also the fact that within the band they had an interesting media savvy frontman who was and lyricist who was the bassist pete wentz and also on the back of that riding the fact that you know when this album came out, uh, some pics of his, uh, you know, pics that he sent to, like, someone he was in a relationship with got leaked out onto the internet that actually turned out making the band weirdly bigger, in a way, because they became kind of notorious, in a way. So, Mm. following that, they became hip-hop's favourite band. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, like, they turned it into in-jokes in their Mm. music videos like people in the press like always made jokes about Pete Wentz it's crazy talking about it in 2017 because we have a totally different approach to his to someone's photos getting leaked on the internet 110% Mm, for real yeah but they became hip hop's favourite band after Coldplay gave up that mantle (laughs) for a little bit Uh, they they had an album called Infinity on High that was a even bigger and badder and kind of dumber version and that's the album that a lot of um, Fall Out Boy fans really, really enjoy as their big dumb pop album. But I've chosen the weird one, Fully I Do, <laughs> which was, uh, yeah, their album before they went on hiatus. So we're going to jump into, mm, what do you think we should play of Fully I Do? Oh no, that that's totally up to you because I know what I'm going to play for my album. So you go ahead, babe. Well, the problem with Fully I Do uh, I'm going to pronounce it 18 different ways. The problem with this album is that the lead single is indicative and at the same time completely unindicative of the album we're about to talk about. The song in question is I Don't Care. sip of wine a little sip of rock <laughs> we're back fallout boy folia do i don't care that song's really weird that song's super weird did, did you notice the um at one point patrick stump the singer says a heat wave in the pants i'm not a chance put a heat wave in your pants no i didn't know he said that it's legit one of the worst lyrics i've ever heard in a song a heat wave <laughs> In the pants. Yeah, that that yeah that that is weird. You didn't need that. No. <laughs> so, Fallout Boy, did you have any previous experience with them? Yes, yes, I did. Um, I was a massive, massive fan of Gym Class Heroes. 
Mm-hmm. I actually went to see them live, um, and I remember Professor Green opened up their show um, in uh, in London when I went to see them. But yeah, I used to love Jim Class Heroes, and obviously their main hit song that they kind of break broke out with was um, the oh Cupid's Chokehold or something. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's got a really really long title. Take a look at my girlfriend. She's the only one I got. That's it, yeah. Which is which is actually from one of their songs, right? Oh, that's um, that song was a sample of a song by Supertramp. Oh, okay, but, okay. So I got that wrong. But Patrick Stump, uh, well, you're about to jump into it. But Patrick Stump was the guest vocalist doing his take on the on the Supertramp sample. Right, right. Okay, so I thought that was actually a Fall Out Boy's song, but I guess it wasn't. But, I mean, that was my first experience of Fall Out Boy, um, them singing on that track. And I used to love that track because I loved that album um, as I was, like, heavy into Gym Class Heroes at the time. Um, so that was my only really experience of um, Fall Out Boy. I, you know, I, I assumed they were a punk rock band, you what, know. What about the Timberlands? Uh, they show up on Timberland's Shock Value. Do they? I yeah. don't remember it. Yeah, it's uh, not a particularly great song. Yeah, no, that, that album was very hit and miss for me. Mm. Very, very hit and miss. I, I I only really listened to the songs that featured Kerry Hilson because they were amazing, but everything else was trash. Yeah. I didn't really like that album, to be honest, so I might have just kind of like not even registered it. His song that he did with Fallout Boy mm. didn't get as much attention as you know him working with One Republic which is crazy because right. nobody knew who One Republic were at no, that point no. so you didn't have any further experience with them like them showing up on other stuff no I didn't know they had a really big connection to hip hop um, they were not really featured on any hip hop I was listening to at the time mm. so um, you know I'd only heard about them here or there and you know when you said Fall Out Boy I was like oh okay um, gonna be interesting one for me to listen to because I have absolutely no cu- well, no clue like what kind of music they did really mm. um, yes I kind of assumed they did rock but I weren't really sure if it was going to be my type of rock. Yeah. Um, so it was really interesting listening to uh, the record. So this was your first Fallout Boy record. So you weren't familiar with Sugar We're Going Down. No. Dan- Dance no, Dance. No. No. Literally, I had I had heard nothing, and um, and I'll be very very honest. I liked the album straight away. That I'm okay. (laughs) He weren't expecting that. (laughs) Gotta jump in. I'm so happy because this is the weird Fallout Boy album that that not even the band likes. Oh really? Yes. Oh shit. Okay. Um, back when they were touring this album, uh, there's a kind of sad Rolling Stone profile from when they got back together. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they went on a hiatus after Folio. And they released an album years later called, and I kid you not, Fall Out Boy Save Rock and Roll. Hmm. And in the Rolling Stone profile, they mentioned that the album underperformed. The guitarist Joe Troman says, Some of us were miserable on stage. Some of us were just drunk. The fans were just trudging through the new songs. They didn't want to hear them. Later on, the frontman Patrick Stomp mentioned that they would play some of the songs off this album and people would boo. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's mad. To this day, ever since they got back together, 
the only song they play off this album is I Don't Care because <gasps> that was the lead single. Oh no! Oh no! I, 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 well, I mean, I wasn't a fan. I haven't heard the other stuff. I, you know, from, from my perspective, listening to this album, I thought it was so fun. I really, really enjoyed like the whole listening experience. Like straight away from this first song, they make such an impact straight away. And, um, and I was really surprised because it's rocky, but it had, it has a lot more rhythm and groove than mm. I was expecting. Um, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but I thought the album was really solid. I mean, from a pers- singing perspective, the singing on it is really good, which Pat- I was really surprised at. Like, Patrick really Stump, surprised. Man. Oh my God, like, he's an amazing vocalist. Like, he's actually, like, very, very talented. Like, the harmonies that he's doing on this album are just like out of this world like i i was kind of in wonder where some of the things he was doing and the really? arrangements yeah yeah completely like hands down to him like he he is a very very talented vocalist so from my kind of you know way into music that's something i definitely appreciate you know vocals and that kind of drew me in even more because mm. i wanted to know and see where he would go with certain songs and um and the songs were they were good yeah. Which is good songs. Do, Shit. Do you, I, I'm still surprised that I, I really enjoyed it. Do you have any favorite songs? Uh, Yeah. She's My Winona. <laughs> hey. That song has harmonies for days. This is a demonstration. really really kind of very intricate very detailed yeah absolutely love like the vocals and what's happened in that song and it's very interesting song to listen to as well that was definitely a standout for me um what a catch donny really liked that song again main reason why i liked it the vocals were again amazing the harmonizing was on point like the the lead the, the the singer does some really really interesting things with his voice um yeah so i i mean i really really love that song as well tiffany blues i like that song as well there was just so many songs i liked i'll I'll be honest with you there was there was literally so many and um it was just really interesting again like going back to his vocal runs like he could easily teach r&b some of the things that he was doing um yeah i was just so shocked at it really well that was one thing i wanted to ask did they um, was that one of the things that helped them cross over? It the- must be like I, I well I don't know because I again I I, don't, I have very limited knowledge but mm. you know I I was surprised to hear Wheezy on the album yeah so I'm listening to you so know- they, so this is another element of Folia Do is that you know after their big commercial breakthrough like they don't they know people but they don't really feature them on their albums a lot. If right. you ever hear kind of like the Cookie Monster scream, uh, which shows <laughs> up at the end of the album, yeah, that's um, that's Pete Wentz, the bassist and lyricist for the band. Oh, okay. So at the same time, on this album, they decided to go all the way and just bring in all their friends and all the people they wanted to work with. Mm. So Tiffany Blues is a great example of it because it features Lil Wayne. <laughs> Yeah, 
yeah, and I and I liked it. I really, really liked his little cameo in it. Wheezy very, went. Very, very short and sweet, Wheezy, uh, classic Wheezy on there. Um, I literally had to kind of rewind it when I heard it because I was like, wait, is that is that Wheezy? And I had to like rewind it because I was like, no. And then, because again, I didn't know the hip hop connection. So I was just like, oh shit, like that's Wheezy. Um, so I, I liked it like even more when I heard that, to be honest. It was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, what are some of the other voices that you noticed on this album? Um, that was the only voice I noticed. Was there, did I miss? Who yeah. did I miss? Well, there's um, Elvis Costello. Don't know who that is. Okay. <laughs> Elvis Costello, who's... Um, this is the other side of the album where you can have Little Wayne shows up and does auto-tune singing, which kind of works. His favourite type of singing. His, fa- his, only, <laughs> his only type of singing, yeah. Elvis Costello, who's essentially like an 80s legend of English music, shows up on, you know, uh, this song in the middle, What a Catch. this way no. I like that song too. The singer from Blondie, Debbie Harry, shows up to sing in at the end of the album. See, I wouldn't know that. See, like, no. so the thing I find interesting for you as a new listener to Fall Out Boy coming in with this album is that this feels like the particular album where you need to know the fallout boy universe they've created where you have this guy that can sing soul runs over pop punk but they have all these friends through their mm. bassist record label yeah and they all show up but then they also love lil wayne and that era of rap music but they also love elvis costello mm. and blondie so i find that interesting that this that that didn't throw you off because it kind of feels like at times a huge in joke like what what a catch yeah which is effectively the middle of the album yeah sounds like the finale to the album because it turns into an over dramatic thing where all of fallout boys friends from their band come in and sing one line from their previous hits before fading into the next song. Oh, okay, cool. So was this not a confusing record at any point? No, not really. No, I mean, I just Mm. kind of enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I mean, you said a key thing, this very talented singer, Mm. um, very, very much has a soul element to his voice. And I think he, he, like, he gives us that in one of the songs. I think it's End of Whams. I think the song is called. Uh, yeah, Whams, which is, uh, funnily enough, if we're talking about collaborations, produced by Pharrell Williams. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, that gives us a little bit of soul because he, like, he, he sings very soulfully at the start of that. And you can hear that he's really passionate about his singing. Mm. Like, it is a craft that he takes seriously. And I really like that. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, and you, and I kind of had that theme throughout the whole album. So, for me as a person that likes to kind of dip into rock very occasionally and that's only if you know i hear something i like because i'm not a big massive rock fan but i can definitely appreciate elements of rock um and i've definitely been a fan of certain you know rock artists and groups but um 
but they they really captured me with that album not not just because of the really really great singing that that i love that but also because the songs are very catchy oh god there's there's yeah. a lot of um singing at the top of your lungs in your car songs yeah that's what it felt like to me like i would have loved to kind of you know i'm gonna have to probably try and play some of these in my car um just because it yeah it, it i would love to kind of sing along in the car and it's got that kind of element to it and that's what it reminded me of like it's very very fun and mm-hmm. um yeah i really enjoyed it so the thing i want to move on to about this album is that uh patrick stump is a big part of it you know there's always been this uh lennon mccartney kind of two act pull between patrick stump who's the singer who is obviously doing all these melodies sometimes listening back to his album i found him a little bit extra Hmm. purely just because this is a non-soul context that he's like okay i'm gonna let rip yeah yeah but the other side of that partnership is the public face of the band being the bassist who writes the lyrics so i wanted to ask what how did you find the lyrics and was was there any particular type of themes that ran through the album for you uh not that i noticed to be honest Mm. because Um, uh because sorry in a row but uh they intended for it to be a commentary about the narcissism of american culture Oh, which interesting. Is, which is why you have songs like I Don't Care. Yeah. Which is why you have a song like... Um, uh, see, the problem is I renamed all of the Fallout Boy songs in my iTunes to ridiculous names, so I genuinely can't remember a lot of the names. I can't believe that you did that. Come <laughs> on. Oh, my days. I'm a huge nerd. Is this is this going to lead into... Because I'm really, really curious as mm-hmm. to why they are a band that you do not like that much anymore. So is this kind of leading on to that? Yeah. Um, the thing about Folia Do was when it was released, their idea was that we're going to release it the same day as the polls go for, you know, the US presidential election. It's going to be our little meta commentary. And this was the, the year that Obama was going against McCain. Obama mm. obviously won his first term. Yeah. They then moved it at the last minute because, and they had a whole campaign centered around the idea of a political campaign. Hmm. And they were like, let's not do this because we think this is the most important election of our lifetimes. We don't want to play about with it. So already there was a kind of a bit of a mess about the political connections and what they wanted to do with that. But when the album came out, after Obama had been elected, it sounded very much to me like it was a Bush-era album about mm. the last years of the being in the Bush administration. Right. Like, my favourite song on this album, and a song that genuinely, like, if I hear it at any time ever, like, it may bring me to tears, is uh, Coffees for Closers, which is near the middle of the album. And they're not, like, a very subtle band at all and they're never you know distinctly oh we're making a song about politics you know but they made a song where the chorus is I will never believe in anything again and that felt very honest and very sad after having lived through like the Bush years yeah so I found the album very poignant and also very fun it had this undercurrent totally yeah 
was I'd always had this weird relationship with Fallout Boy where I liked the music a lot visually with their music videos I thought they were over the top like they did a lot of weird choices um live that never really worked out so I found them a really frustrating band okay yeah which which sucks you know because I I remember seeing them live and Patrick Stump who's great on record would just do these vocal runs that just go off key (laughs) <laughs> they were never particularly great as keeping the sound together as a live band. Oh, right. This album is so full of music that I have no idea how it could have ever worked live. And yeah, then, I, I, yeah no, I think it would, it would either work out amazingly and they would sound incredible live doing this mm-hmm. album or the complete opposite. Yeah, like they're not going to tour around with a horn section. Mm. It's just going to be four guys just kind of thrashing through it. I think it can definitely work though because there is such a big musical element to it. Um, mm. It would be very interesting to see this kind of album live because it sounds so great. Well, I mean, I can only imagine how things have happened now that they've come back together. But at the time, they were very much, you know, four guys who went from playing, you know, three chord pop punk songs into doing these highly elaborate songs. So I can imagine the disconnect. Anyway, it, it was a bit frustrating to be a Fallout Boy fan. Uh, then they came back with Fallout Boy Saves Rock and Roll. And. Uh, that was the name of the album. That was literally the name of their comeback <laughs> album. That's very uh, arrogant. Yeah. They meant it as I a joke. <laughs> of course. Of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> that album should have a lot of stuff that I really like about Folio Do. Um, transferred into a different format like the songs are tighter they're even bigger they've got a crazier amount of guests Elton John's on the album Big Sean's on the album Courtney Love's on the album wow I didn't like it really I didn't like it and ever since then I've just felt incredibly disappointed because Folia Do is the it's the albatross around their around their neck and they don't ever want to go back there and it's weird because I think we're the only two people on the planet that love Folia Do really? more than Fallout Boy. <laughs> I can't believe that. That's yeah. That I'm pretty shocked to hear that just because it is a very good album. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Do you feel like going back and listening to the very different Fallout Boy stuff? Uh, yeah, possibly. Just because I I did really enjoy this album. Um, so I did. You know, I would definitely give, you know, the previous ones a chance as well, uh, mm. just to kind of see. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed the, the vocals on it, like I said. So I'd be very curious to see. Um, yeah, de- totally. But I mean... We have so, to do Patrick Stump's solo album at some point. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the vocalist. <sighs> oh, God. No yeah. one loves that album. Oh, wow. But well, I do. I'm going to keep it to myself. <laughs> okay. Um, and so what? You, you just didn't... You, you know, you didn't ever feel like you wanted to get back into them or seek them out or 
like have you heard any of the new stuff are they still a band that you don't really like like what, what, what what's the deal with it they became bigger and dumber and shinier and right. I don't think I enjoyed them at their biggest dumbest and shiniest because I felt right. they, they'd reached their plateau with Folia Do because it was like they, they were a band that got given the keys to the fun factory and then they decided to utilize everything in the fun factory and then in the end they just got swallowed whole by it mm. so it's a little bit depressing to go back to new follow boy songs right every now and again they'll have a, a song i really enjoy but never to the level of this album right okay but you don't like dislike them oh no i'm like uh i'm at the point where i'm like you know what guys get your money Okay. You made you gave us this album. Uh, Patrick Stump gave a, gave us Soul Punk, his solo album, mm. and that didn't do well. This oh wait, did he call it Soul Punk? Soul Punk. Oh shit! I'm very intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag save it for the podcast. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> but I'm I'm happy for them to have their huge comeback because mm. it, you know, like they they were. You know, with all those bands like My Chemical Romance, they were they were the the emo band to end all emo bands, and emo was a blip, and then it became very unfashionable. Hmm. So for them to fade away and then come back and still maybe not be as big as they were then, but still huge is, yeah, that's great for them. But uh, yeah, I, I sadly am not into the music anymore, but I'm happy for them. Cool. Okay. And I'm really, really happy that you enjoyed this album. Yeah, I did. I really did. Yeah. Good recommendation. All right. Cheers. Mm -hmm. Cheers. She's my Winona. (laughs) I'll take that. I guess it's time to get into uh, my artist and my album. So I decided to go with Chris Brown. And the album I decided to go with is his second album, Exclusive. I was a massive Chris Brown fan. I mean, as a R&B girl that absolutely loves R&B, um, I absolutely loved Chris Brown. I was such a big fan of his. Everything he was doing at the time was, you know, very um kind of groundbreaking in a sense of he created his own lane at the time which was this young kid that could sing but could also dance and his dancing was and is still you know pretty incredible Mm. um he's just a very very talented individual and you know he came out with his first album which i absolutely loved um, he sounds mad young on the album, like, you know, lisp and all. Um, but, you know, there's still jams on the album, like, that I'll still, like, you know, you know, if it pops up on my Spotify, I'll play it, you know. There's still, like, a lot of jams from it, like, yo, and, you know, popping. on the floor. Yeah, not so much that one. I, I mean, that was a big tune, but yo, um, excuse me, miss, that's, that's, that's such a jam. Mm. And popping that is my shit <laughs> and um yeah that's my shit i mean i had that that came on 
Um, actually, when the girls were around the other week, we were watching Stomp the Yard, like, and that came under the end of Stomp the Yard. And it was like, tune, tunage. <laughs> I, I hate to interrupt during your, during your intro, but Stomp the Yard, where Chris Brown shows up, does an incredible dance sequence. This is, this is first, incredible. first album, Chris Brown. And when he showed up on screen, people in cinemas in the States would like scream. Because really? he was the ultimate heartthrob. Yeah, yeah, he was massive. Like he was. Watch huge. Stomp the Yard. Great movie. It is a great movie. It's so so good. And um, join us for our Stomp the Yard podcast. <laughs> Stomp the Yard cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like he he had a lot of great 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 songs. Um, second album came out, and it was just such a big hit. I mean, it came out in um two thousand and seven. And um, he had so many great singles from the album. Like he had Wall to Wall, he had Forever, which came out a bit later because that was the kind of, it came out on the deluxe. Um, Kiss Kiss, which was amazing. And I love his duet with T-Pain. Take You Down, I can talk about that song for days because that song is amazing. That's just such a great performance. Um, Yeah, no, like Chris Brown could do no wrong at that point. Like even my mum, was a massive, massive fan. Like she absolutely adored Chris Brown, so talented. Um, so yeah, like uh, I was a really, really big fan. And I guess like the song I'm gonna choose from uh, the album is my favorite song on the album called I'll Call You or I'll Call Ya. So that's such a jam like I, I was still like uh, when I was listening to the album this week like in ready for the past in readiness for the podcast I was literally like it was so nostalgic for me because I remember I heard this album when I um, was in New York for a holiday and my greatest memories of that holiday is walking around New York um, around Soho around um, Brooklyn and listening to this album and um, yeah no, I'm a big, big fan of this album. It still sounds great. So, babe, as you can hear, I'm really, really, really passionate about like Chris Brown's early career. Um, what did you think of the album? Um, exclusive. I I enjoyed it. It's uh, it's hard. Um, I was listening again to an episode of the New York Times podcast for when Chris Brown released his album X. Right. Which was, uh, I think, 2014. And the name of the podcast is well worth listening to. It's called uh, What We Talk About When We Talk About Chris Brown. And obviously, if you've clicked on this episode, you've seen Chris Brown be mentioned. Uh, 
the specter of Chris Brown, the person is obviously going to hang hard above this. So it's uh, selfishly, it's a little bit of a relief to talk about the pre Grammys night Chris Brown. Yeah. In this way, so uh, I I just want to give that disclaimer definitely that like you know this is you know the eighteen year old Chris Brown that we're discussing before that night. Um, yeah, because it's his second album. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely, I, I did enjoy this. Uh, more in spite for the fact that I don't, I think it's a collection of good songs. Some songs are way better than others. Yeah. It's interesting that, that you said he was kind of making his own lane because listening to it, and I wasn't there for the whole thing when it happened, but I was like, and the press at the time of this album was definitely, you know, going in on him being like, okay, they're trying to manufacture the next Usher. Yeah, I mean, there, there was this big, there was a really big thing about him being the next Usher. Yeah, definitely. But I think at that time, there was nobody else, you know, as successful as he was doing what he was doing. And mm. I guess that's what I meant by him in his own name. Yeah, of course, there's always going to be other R&B singers that are trying it. You know, we've got loads out there like Marion and Mario and there was a, like a lot of these singers at that time yeah um but Chris Brown uh the impact that he made with his first two albums um as successful as he was um yeah I think he he was definitely doing something special at the time what what made him more you know kind of in that lane to you more than in a Marion or like a Mario. Um, was it the dancing? Because Omarion can dance. Yeah, Omarion can dance, but you know he and I love B2K because you know shit. This is de- we definitely have to do a P- we'll have B2K to do a B2K album. Episode. Oh my god! But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's just a bit different. Chris Brown's talent is very very. It's just very big, um, and perhaps because of his youth. Maybe, mm, I don't know. I don't know, because they were all youthful at the time. I think he just had... Chris Brown, to me, had the X Factor. Mm. You know, he was one of those um, stars, one of these R&B stars, um, like Sierra in her prime. Like, they had something about them that nobody else had and nobody else can touch at their peak. Mm. And that was his peak time. Um, And I know we're going to get into, you know, my thoughts on Chris Brown now, but at that time, yeah, totally. Like, he he dominated a lot and he was very successful, that showed. Yeah. Um, but I'm really happy to hear you enjoyed the album. Like, you liked it as far as, you know, an R&B record. You enjoyed it. I think it's even more successful as a pop record, just okay, in general. yeah. Because yeah. this is 2007. The connection between Fall Out Boy and Chris Brown is they were the, the MTV VMAs 2007. This is very much that era of music. So you have Fall Out Boy on one end, they're kind of doing this pop punk that's crossed over and it's somehow really intricately merged with a lot of people's tastes when it comes to hip-hop. Jay-Z appears on one of their albums, yada, yada, yada. Chris Brown is not just an R&B artist. He's like making proper pop moves at that point. This is way before he goes into like cheesed out Ibiza music, Chris Brown. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that at all but yeah yeah it's like it makes sense as you know the classic kind of blockbuster solo star album because you have the straight up r&b songs like you got a song with t-pain you got a song with the dream that will come back to in a sec 
Uh, you've also got With You, which is, like, legit the... How could you not, at the time, like this song? You mean me, what I mean you And together, baby, there is nothing we won't do Cause if I got you, I don't need money over radio song and I feel like that's what made him big in the UK on like yeah. my side when yeah. I was like yo excuse me miss I was like you know I've, I would flick past MTV bass when that song came on but <laughs> with you you could not escape that song yeah it was huge yeah. and it's a beautiful song it's a great performance it's just a really really good good song it's a great song in yeah. fact I mean did you have any other standout tracks what were the tracks that you liked on the album i'm so curious what were the tracks tell me um you know what i'm gonna say the most interesting tracks to me because as a as an album per se you know compared to like a collection of songs that can become singles Mm. this wasn't that coherent but like you know when you compare it to something like uh and yeah i'm gonna bring up the usher comparison 8701 is like a collection of songs that work together as an album yeah whereas this i felt was just you know he was on his way through the it but it kind of got a and to death a little bit but i feel there's interest in pockets in it especially the fact that exclusive the idea of the album is for chris brown kid star to walk out and essentially go it's okay, ladies. You can lust after me. I'm not a virgin. <laughs> and that made, you know, Take You Down, which is, you know, quintessential slow jam. It, it legit has a cheesy guitar solo in it. But you liked it. Oh, yeah. Like, it works. They're balancing that against the sweetness of With You. Yeah. And, you know, the preacher's daughter tale of Hold Up. Oh, okay. So you like the one with Big Boy. I like, you know. I knew you would like that one. The, I, I, I I, don't know what it was. When I when I was listening back to it this mm-hmm. week, I was like, I bet Dan's going to like this one. Because I, I was, I thought that song was cool, but like it wasn't one of the standout tracks for me on the album. I just thought it was a cool song. Yeah. I find it interesting because. And, you know, he got Big Boy in his album, like. Of hand course. down to him you know like seriously yeah i, I feel like it, it's if, I, if i'm being honest my favorite song is kiss kiss but yeah that song is amazing it's a reminder of that incredible t-pain run yeah absolutely we love you. <laughs> 
interesting thing to me is it's like we're merging together the ladies i am a man now capital a capital m man yeah against you know stuff that's a little bit sweeter a little bit more teenagery tween kind of stuff that you know he's not like pushing too far in one direction or the other no 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 and i I definitely hear what you're saying It, it didn't um it does definitely feel like he recorded a, a bunch of songs and these really good songs made the album. Um, it maybe wasn't as fluid as one would have liked, um, but it is a collection of really, really great songs, which equals a really good R&B album. Mm. Um, what did you think of I'll Call Ya and like Picture Perfect? Because those, I love those two tracks. Like Picture Perfect, that's the one with Will I Am. Yeah, that that's a really good song. I kind of still wonder why in two thousand and seven people were asking Will I Am for rap verses, like instead of asking him to like build cars in space or whatever he does. <laughs> like why? It's I, still Will I Am, and you know it might have that's been. That's right. It is still Will well, I Am. Why would you ask him to act? But it might have been a condition. He he might have been like, look, I'm gonna give you this track for your album, but I want to rap on it. Chris Brown ain't gonna say no, it's Will I Am. Fergie is a better rapper than Will I Am. Yeah, but it's Will I Am, and you're gonna take a fucking Will I Am beat. You would do, but I hear you. Like, it's, but he doesn't do a bad job on it. But yeah, it's not needed. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a Will I Am, like, fan. He's very talented, especially he's producing, you know, so yeah. I mean, those two songs, you know, like, I like those songs. Like, uh, it's hard. Like, there's only a couple of songs that I don't like on this album. Yes, this is what I wanted to hear, babe. But it's like, you know, it's it's very 2007. Like the same way that... Duh, it came out then. Yeah, but it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like going back to... I was thinking about how we listened to the Jamie Foxx album, Unpredictable. Yeah. And that was, listening back to that, was like, man, that was what 2005 sounded like. Okay, that feels like a time capsule. Mm. This album, you know, I don't know, 2007 weirdly didn't sound as good as 2005. Like, there's just all these, like, kind of cheap synth sounds kind of thrown around everywhere. Well, it was a different... It, it was obviously... Like, I mean, I'm not a fan of that, like, 2007 no, synth sound. No, you're not. And, I mean, I'm surprised that you still haven't brought up Scott Scorch. Because I know you love fucking talking about that guy. I was about to talk about Scott Okay, Scorch. I know you're going about to go off. So let me hear it. What did you think of that song? Um, and it's got the game on it as well. P.S. Follow our <laughs> Twitter account at Record Lovers with a Z because I will find a way to put up that fo- <laughs> put up that video of Scott Storch making a techno song while getting a haircut. Oh my God. Greatest video in the history of the world. But what did you think of that song? It's not, it's right. Yeah, I agree. It's very I. It's it's definitely one of those songs. I mean, to be honest, I would play this album from front to back. Like it's, it stands, you know, every song does do something for me. But if I had to skip any songs, that would be one of them. It's the industry standard Scott Storch song with an industry standard game first, which is why it feels like it came, it was beamed straight from 2007. Yeah. And it's at the end of that album where, you know, they just kind of dashed it on. Yeah. um, That it wasn't really needed. that's part of why i felt like this isn't as much an album like as much as the press at that time and his ambitions and you know kind of his own self-image 
always want to point him towards being the next Michael Jackson, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah. There is no way that this album functions in a way even compared to the worst Michael Jackson album, where there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah, we're not even... We don't even need to kind of do any comparisons there, really. But, I but, mean, he does it a lot himself. What do you mean? He is definitely... Uh, he kind of has like a Michael Jackson vibe that he wants to be the next Michael Jackson because after a certain point it was like okay I'm definitely not going to be the next Usher I'm going to be the next Michael Jackson I don't know I think it's it's difficult for R&B singers because they're always gonna R&B singers that also dance are always gonna have this thing under them that they you know are striving for mm, the whole Michael that's, Jackson that's thing that's a good point yeah. so I, I hear what you're saying but I don't f- uh, you know and that might have been the case for all I, I know to be honest like I, I don't know I, I don't really have a, much of an opinion on that but I know, you know, in the R&B game, he is going to get people saying, oh, you're trying to be like Usher because you can dance and you're an R&B singer. Oh, you're trying to be like Michael. Like, that's just going to come. Mm. I mean, as a as an album, I thought it was, and I agree with you, it was very much an album where they're like, oh, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm matured now. Like, my voice is matured. Like, you can hear the difference between Chris Brown's first album and second album. Yeah, he slips into his lower register. Like, there's a moment in Down that, like, it's very effective him singing in his lower register. Yeah, Because yeah. otherwise he can still sound a little bit like a kid. A little bit babyish, yeah, totally. A little bit while he's when trying he to do grown high. man stuff. Yeah, yeah, de- yeah, definitely. And um, and he does a lot of really good stuff with his voice on this album. Like, he his harmonizing is much better on this album. Album. You mm. can you can hear that he's more starting to kind of experiment with different runs that he's doing with his voice, um, and you know the the songwriting is more obviously in tune for his age at the time yeah. and what they're trying to go for with the album. So you know there's there's a lot of really great things happening on this album to make it a really good um, you know for me as a I was going to say an ex-Chris Brown fan. Yeah, that might be correct. I mean, for me, that is Chris Brown's best album. Um, maybe I can't say that because I haven't heard a lot of his last few albums. But if I'm thinking of, you know, the Chris Brown at his peak, you know. I mean, his first album was great. It was a really good breakthrough album. And, mm. you know, great songs on it. But this album, um, he definitely kind of... Um, became even more confident in what he was trying to do and I think you can hear that well there's a I know I said I'd mention you beforehand but I oh I love that song I think it I think it's uh, indicative of Chris Brown being given a song by someone else and he doesn't to me quite have that personality to take it because it is essentially it's a a, a solo dream song written right by terrius nash in the idea of the dream solo albums so it doesn't quite work for me really was it well you know or, he, or is that what you're he getting me- from he it? mentions nikki it's a song about nikki who's like a running character yeah, on the dreams yeah. albums oh yeah true okay fair fair point yeah so, yeah so i can see him kind of being anard out to you know the the blue moon and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but he does a really great performance on that song i hear what you're saying but i think that is a really good example of the dream giving somebody a song and then making it them their own and being effective in the delivery like i think that i can still listen to that song now and it's still a really good performance to me it's someone playing dress up 
Hmm. I think because uh, Chris Brown, like on this album exclusive, he's you know talented and he's going somewhere and he's got that heartthrob kind of vibe about him, but he doesn't have a personality. Uh, I think he does. Chris Brown has always had a personality. I if think... he was a Chris Brown fan, he's always come across like he's had a personality, very playful, uh, very charismatic. Um, yeah, I think he always had a personality. Well, maybe I'm... That personality went a different way after the, you know, incident. But, mm. um, you know, before that, he, he definitely, you know, as a fan, he, he was one of those ones where, yeah, he had a personality, I think. Well, what I was going to say just about that personality shift is that because of him kind of developing a martyr complex after, you know, him uh, assaulting Rihanna... Yeah. Uh that not saying this doesn't fix the problem for me that some of the album has and you know I don't want to make that make it sound like that but at least publicly and also on record his quote unquote bad boy kind of fall from grace gave him a personality to latch onto. Maybe that's me projecting. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. Yeah, and I think after going through something like that, the way that he did everything that happened, mm. I don't think it could have been any other way. I think that would have happened anyway. So yeah, I hear what you're saying there. Can I ask you real quick about forever? Yeah. You know, it's 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 our first glimpse at Chris going into this pop market. Um, yeah, you can argue that he was kind of going there with with you, but it was still very much for me an R and B record. It can pass for an R and B record, whereas Forever was a straight up pop song, and um, and I liked it. Like it it wasn't it wasn't a very obvious sellout. You know, uh, he's done a lot of. Uh, tunes since then that are very very kind of you know Ibiza-esque pop songs Mm -hmm. Um, but Forever like I that's a that's a really good song I enjoyed that song yeah and I you know I can see why they kind of put the deluxe on there and you know put a few more songs at the end of the album that you know don't really add anything to it to be honest um you know, just another way to kind of market the album in a different way. And sell more records, Sell more yeah. records, like Fair Play, Fine. Um, Forever was a good song to do that with because it is actually a good song. So, yeah, I did like it. Like, is it is it a song that I revisit when I listen to, to, to Chris Brown? Like, early Chris Brown? No. But mm. is it a good song? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Are you aware that it was created for the purpose of selling uh, chewing gum? No. Yeah. 
so it was a Wrigley's jingle. But it became the Wrigley's jingle because Wrigley's essentially they wanted to have, you know, they're doing all these product launches and they thought, and this is from an article uh, I think I read in like the Business Insider oh. at the time and it came out and they were thinking as a company, we want Chris Brown to be the person that's going to market us to young African-Americans. Oh, right. So they, in a weird kind of creepy sense, they kind of pushed for this song to be written as the jingle but then it also got expanded to a three minute version that's why he says double your fun triple your pleasure or whatever the lyric is <laughs> that's the slogan for wrigley's oh wow the I song know is that. a wrigley's like song that's with, mad i didn't know that that's that's interesting so that's you know that that's one thing where i kind of came across from did it. you like that song do you it's, like forever? It's okay. It's never too much in one direction. It's never too unt unt, and it's no, not, it's not. And it, it's for the unt unt audience that they're trying to get. It's not like you know too like indebted to like army. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's kind of this firm kind of grasp, but um, as a piece of art, seeing the fact that it was created for the purpose <laughs> of being an advertisement, I yeah, I kind of hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's but, okay. But that's the song that, you know, following the instant kind of got him through to the next stage because of that that wedding video where everyone goes down the aisle, perf- like they all go down the aisle, t- t- you know, and it's set to that song. So I just had to ask about that song and I have to ask and I kind of feel like it's pretty obvious where we are now. Uh, why aren't you a Chris Brown fan anymore? Hmm. Chris Brown... Um, were you ever Team Breezy? I just need to get out of the way. <laughs> no. You weren't um, that insane. No, no, no. Um, There's some scary Team Breezy people. Oh, yeah, massively. I saw even, in my research. Even now, even now. Um, I think for me, being a big Chris Brown fan at the time, it was just very disappointing. Um, you know, the whole assault uh, case against Rihanna. That whole um, incident as a fan was a big blow and I couldn't listen to his music for a very, very long time. And I'm talking about years, I couldn't listen to his music um, because I was just so disappointed um, with what he did and, you know, how he kind of handled it. Like on one hand, it was obviously very sorry. And then there was that whole back and forth between him and Rihanna and then Karuchi and then he's in a relationship with Karuchi but then he goes back to Rihanna and and then, you know, and then they make a song together and then it's all very messy and then he goes back to Karuchi. It was just like, I I um, I just, as a, as a big fan of his, because to be honest, I was, I was more of a fan of Chris Brown than Rihanna at the time. You know, I only became a Rihanna fan when I heard Rated R. That was when I became a Rihanna fan, when I was like, okay, this is this has got some substance to it. But before that, no, nah, not really. It was a bit too bubblegum pop for me. It weren't for me. Whereas Chris Brown... Put some respect on Good Girl Gone Bad. Whatever, man. That, nah, it's not for me. It's way too pop for me, no. So I weren't really, you know, for me, it really, as a fan, affected me because I couldn't listen to his music um, for a very long time, years. Um, so, mm. yeah, like, it... It was a shame, obviously, that happened, and at one point, it kind of seemed like he was back on track and, you know, being very apologetic and um, just, it seemed like he was going on track, and then something would happen, and he would just kind of 
fall from grace again to the point of where that happened a few times where I literally just had to kind of accept that unfortunately he's not going to be that artist that I really wanted him to be that he had the potential to be because even now even though I'm not a Chris Brown fan I do not deny that he's a very talented individual to me he's very very talented um is he a nice person does he come across like a nice person no um and and also um I haven't really heard anything I haven't really looked to hear anything from him but the, the stuff that I have heard that he's come out with like you know in the past year or so it's been very okay you know there's much more exciting music out there that I'd rather listen to um coming from R&B artists um so yeah he's never really been able to kind of fall back into where he was for me as an artist unfortunately um and uh and it's just a shame it's just a shame um do you think he because obviously that this this topic is you know not going away anytime soon in regards to Chris Brown and also to you know figures in the media but has there been other artists that you know have been have had moments with dis- domestic assault or you know a- assault in general that has kind of changed in your perception and made you not want to listen to them um, I'm trying to think if there is anyone. I can't listen to R. Kelly now. Oh day. my god, no, I can't listen to R. Kelly either. But I kind but of the fucked up thing is I listened to him for years despite knowing. Yeah, a lot of people did though. Mm. A lot of people did. I guess I didn't because I was never a huge R. Kelly fan, mm-hmm. to be honest. So it wasn't really that hard for me. Whereas obviously, you know, R. Kelly fans had a really, really hard time letting go of r kelly and um but you know i think it's that's more deep for me in a sense of you know i'm not 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 trying to say what chris brown did to Rihanna was not deep but it's just it was just different for me and you know chris brown he definitely owned up to it and apologized repeatedly and i don't think anyone can say anything about that aspect that was established like he um, you know, said his stories at the time. Um, so I can, I feel comfortable with listening to his first and second album. R. Kelly is just a different kettle fish where I'm just like, fuck that dude. <laughs> I don't even want to hear nothing from him, like, at all. Um, which is a shame because it's, you know, but... Um, so yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. But no, I think the biggest the biggest disappointment for me where I've had to kind of let go um, is Chris Brown but I guess it really hasn't helped that he hasn't made that much really really good music that I think has been good anyway Mm. Um, so that hasn't helped Um, and also just you know his attitude in general it's just you know every time you know there was like I said there was a few times where it was like oh okay he he seems to be getting a bit better no he done he done something else and he done fucked up again like it was literally that and as a fan it was like do you know what fucking hell i'm just just gonna leave it alone now because mm. every time i'm like you know no no he's 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 he looks like he's kind of on a better path now he'll do some stupid shit and you're just like you're just not fucking learning at all mm. um so yeah it's, that's that's how i feel about it it's interesting because it's with with follow boy i was disappointed with the art it, with chris brown you sound very much 
disappointed in the person so you can't enjoy the art yeah yeah that's uh that's a very accurate way to put it definitely um because who he is as a person and you know the reason why he's been in the media for loads of different things all mostly negative things um you know particularly how he kind of treated his whole situation with Karuchi and you know we're, we're never gonna know De- like dissing his isan sorry Oh, did he do that as well? He called him... Uh, oh, yeah, no, he did. He called him Aladdin. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, ugh. There's just so many examples of Chris Brown being dick. Um, so, absolutely, that's really kind of uh, made me kind of step back. And also, like I mentioned earlier, he hasn't really released that much good music recently. Although, um, I did have a chance to hear the new album, Heartbreak on a Full Moon. Um... I've only heard it through the one time because it's 45 bloody tracks. It's a lot of tracks. Um, and it was very daunting. 45 yeah, songs. it was very, very daunting to start it. But I thought, you know, this is, we're bringing out a podcast on it, on, on Chris Brown. I have to, I have to mention it. I, I just have to say like the, um, I can't remember what writer it is, maybe David Drake, but when E40 released his first, um, his first collection of three albums at the same time. Yeah. He said, E-40 is my favourite rapper of all time, but the feeling that my favourite artist was going to release three records at the same time felt a bit like your best friend telling you they're going to come stay at your house for three months. (laughs) Did you get a similar feeling of this, even though you've not really enjoyed Chris Brown's music as of late? Um, I just thought it was very unnecessary. I don't think if, you know, I, I didn't think the best move for him to make would be to release a 45 track album when he's been so negatively um, in the media. And, you know, I, I, I know Team Breezy is really, really strong still, which is, you know, fine. Um, but for me as an X fan, I was kind of like, uh, 45 tracks, really? Uh, plus I hadn't, hadn't heard really that much good stuff that he was releasing, although, you know, I heard Questions, which I think was like the lead single, um, and that was cool. That was cool to hear. It's it's a okay track. Um, I did like Privacy, uh, so that was a good track, and that's on the album too. Um, didn't like the Usher song with Gucci Mane as well. Didn't mm-hmm. like that one. I think it's called Party, and it's just all a bit awkward and... Yeah, didn't really like that one. Um, but yeah, no, I heard the album. I heard it through just the one time because um, I thought, okay, I am, I'm, I am intrigued because I have been seeing a lot online that people are loving the album. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people that I really respect musically, uh, their taste in music have been saying that. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll give it a go. Are you including Joe Budden in this conversation? <laughs> I'm including Joe Budden. Joe Budden's. <laughs> Budden's. <laughs> But I'm also included, like, you know, other, like, my friends, basically, as yeah. well, that, you know, seen them post different things about the album. So I thought, okay, well, I guess I'll have a go. Um, but actually, um, it's really, really good. I'm almost a bit, like, annoyed to say it, in a sense. It is actually quite good. Mm. Um, 45 tracks, I would say probably about 90% of the album is really good. Um and there's definitely a lot of standout tracks on it, like the one with Future and Young Fuck is insane. Mm. And um, yeah, just just uh, really, really good R&B, like very good baby making music, because he does that well anyway. Which is so yeah. interesting coming at the end of like, you know, exclusive being the softly, softly 
entrance of his baby making music career mm, yeah, yeah yeah well that's the thing it's yeah it's I, now now it's <laughs> just like he's pretty much just like how many insane metaphors are there for like love making on this record I sound very conservative. Love making. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the just the song titles alone and some of the tracks, it's like he's got Juicy Booty, which is a really, really good song. I think it comes like in the first kind of few tracks in the album. It's got Janae Aiko, who I love, mm-hmm. and R. Kelly, who we already spoke about, who I don't love. Mm. And that was just a shame to hear because I felt like R. Kelly ruined the fucking track for me. Um, but anyway, like there are some funny kind of, you know, names on it. Like he's got a song called Covered in You. I don't need to say anything else. <laughs> it's not chocolate. <laughs> so, um, but no, I was pleasantly surprised. So, but you know, I still have problems with Chris Brown. He's not going to get a slide from me in terms of who he is as a person because he, he still comes across like a really shitty, um, immature young lad. Mm. <laughs> so, um, but you know, I've already heard it the one time, so I'll see how I feel. I'm going to go back to Ty Dollar Sign's album now anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you're, um, my go-to yeah your go-to well yeah. i mean we'll probably come back to him talking about problematic bass and all that yeah <laughs> yeah everything every, everything we like is hard like, <laughs> yeah if if the only things we were able to like was oh, oh no let's not get into this discussion let's save it hashtag save it for the podcast there we go i um is there any song you want to go out on from the new record um oh yeah well um oh gosh there are a lot of really good tracks maybe the one with um because i mentioned it the one with future and young fug maybe that one that's a really really good song um yeah or maybe no no let's let's keep i I did like tough love tough love is a banger as well um no let's go with the young fug one okay um all right here uh we're just gonna play young thug's verse instead no, no. The song is called High End. Um, oh, also one more, one last thing I forgot to mention. He has a song on the on the album. Um, it's called This Way, and it actually um, samples not actually samples, but he does his own kind of rendition of it. Um, the Rosa Parks kind of oh, uh, outcast. outcast. Yeah, you know, it's like uh huh, yeah, yeah. That bit that they do in, in the song in the Rosa Parks song. So Chris Brown kind of does kind of does his own kind of. Uh, his own way of doing that bit, Aye. which is kind, which is kind of cool actually. But um, shall we go out on that then? No, no, I want people to hear the the high end with Future and Young Fuck because I, I was like, yeah, that made me, re- you know, I had to kind of repeat that a few times. interesting to talk about yeah definitely. i feel like i've got to release a lot of my chris bound angst yeah and you know frustration so i that was good i am amazed i made it through it's the like entire music therapy it was like music therapy, music therapy yeah. 
I was <laughs> I was amazed I made it through this entire podcast without calling him Briss Brown. I know. And I'm just amazed that you enjoyed a, a Chris Brown album because I've been fighting with Dan for the past three years of our relationship. Talking about, no, babe, when Chris Brown was in his prime, he was the best. <laughs> and this was like finally the time I got him to listen to a Chris Brown album. And he on record said that he liked it. So, yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I wish I could say the same with a Follow Boy album. Oh. Yeah, touche. 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 Bolo Boy. Okay, so um, I think it'll be good for us to give our ratings. Yeah, rating our, time, right? Our, our love, love hearts. hearts. Yay! Ooh, love heart rating for Fallout Boy. I'm gonna give it a. Ooh, I'm in between a three point five and a four. Oh, we don't give heart. We don't give half hearts. We do give half hearts because we've done it the the, the last oh. podcast. Ha! Um. Okay. Cool. I'm gonna give it a four. Hi. You hear that, Fallout Boy? We on the Record Lovers podcast love Foley Adu. We yeah. don't know how to pronounce it, yeah. but we love it. Yeah. I'd like to give it a 3.75, but it's fine. I'm going to I'm going to go with a 4. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was good. It was uh no, it was great. I really enjoyed it. I really really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm very happy to hear that. Jams. Good. And my love heart rating for uh Briss Brown exclusive is um I'm going to give it I'm gonna give it three love hearts. Yay! Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's like like I've said before. I feel like there's some really strong songs on it. Um, you know, it doesn't get if it was a better album per se, it'd get like a four. Uh, but I also had to kind of get over my I'm listening to a Chris Brown album. Yeah. So hey, that's great that you even just gave it a phrase. Yeah. That means you you know it was good. You yeah. enjoyed it. That's yes. true. Awesome. I'm not watching his Netflix documentary though. Don't get it twisted. No, no, it's it's not that deep. And I'm not showing really that deep. any Follow Boy music videos. Well, nah, I'm good. Maybe the good ones. <laughs> there are no good ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that was really fun, and I hope you guys enjoyed uh, listening to us talk about these albums and these artists. It will be really, really cool to actually hear your thoughts on it you know to hear what you guys have to say tweet us on twitter we are at record lovers with a z at the end and i am at angie shenko and i'm at dan montadonna you can find us on soundcloud.com forward slash record lovers podcast um we're on itunes yay we are on itunes we're on all the podcasting services yes so you can find us just search for record lovers on your uh podcast playing platforms and we will show up super excited and uh subscribe tell a friend to tell a friend please leave a comment if you've got anything to to ask us yeah it'll be really good to hear what you guys think actually about uh you know what we've spoken about so hit us up don't tell team breezy about us i'm scared i know it's cool though don't tell the Fallout Boy fans either. Uh, <laughs> uh, VMEs 2007. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until the next time, it's uh, goodbye from me. Bye, guys. See you next time. Take it easy. Bye.